Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fighting the Void. I am your host, Ginger. That's not right. That's right. There we go. <laughs> it's me, so I'm taking over today because, well, I'm friends with the guests, and I figured, hey, why not? So, with my co-host, Ginger, this time taking backseat so he'll still be a huge part of the show and we have a very lovely twitter personality and a podcast hoster himself amos joseph welcome to hi how's it going fantastic thanks for having me on no problem we've been wanting you on for a while but then it's like i think it was around the time no, actually, funny story. I think it was the same night. I'm like, hey, dude, we should have you on the podcast. That's, I think, the same night Ginger was like, so work is uh, going to take over for a bit. <laughs> oh, really? You guys were talking about this that long ago? Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. And then we met in person, and then we're like, oh, yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> we really forget back to the plan. <laughs> Here we are. So before we dive into the topics, Amos, do you want to tell the people a little bit about yourself, about your podcast? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. First off, yeah, my name is Amos Joseph. I run the Shitlord Preachers podcast. We're on Sundays at 11 o'clock in the morning, Central Time. Um, and then our podcast episode gets edited and sent off to iTunes. It usually goes up Monday or Tuesday. Um, I dropped the ball and it was a little bit behind. So actually our episode, we have two episodes coming out. So it was the week before's and today's comes out tomorrow and Tuesday in succession. So <clears throat> we're on, you know, I'm on Twitter at Amos Joe. And then of course you can check out us on yeah, Shitlord Preachers on iTunes. Funny thing. You have to word it differently to get approval from iTunes. Then you change the name back to the, with the word Shitlord in order to pass <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long nice. that'll last. I basically had to call it the SLP podcast. Um, and then they approved it. Then, then I changed it back. Um, <laughs> so, so sneaky. Yeah. Cause they, they don't like, they don't like, you know, they don't want it to be, it's like, you can put in explicit, but they still don't want the name to be explicit. It's like, then, then what's the point of me telling iTunes it's explicit right but yeah so yeah we're we're there weekly we've been doing it for we're on our 47th episode we just did oh. but we've been doing it for over a year and a half we've oh. just had a lot of unfortunate like right. huge blanks yeah 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 Th that definitely happens i mean we know how that goes we had a essentially uh essentially a big blank period every now and then i would throw up just a short solo thing for like two months really oh yeah yeah it's like he was busy with work and i just personally needed a break to sort myself out and then when we came back and then i was like hey ginger i have to go again because i'm going on a road trip to move my boyfriend over here <laughs> <laughs> but it kept going while i was gone so now we're back in on a study uh yeah I, I I'm lost for words right now. Well, we even we do it now more often than we did before. Before we were roughly every other week. Now we're actually just doing it every week. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Plus, you guys got guests. Yeah. Absolutely. 
we've been doing a lot more guest stuff too, which is very fun. Getting other people's opinions on things and discussing things that we normally wouldn't be able to do just by ourselves. Right. Yeah. Not without, you know, this thing called research. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> ah. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> So the first topic for the evening, I was wondering we could start off with something a little lighter, not too serious. The Libertarian Circle on Twitter and the infighting that has been going along, going on a lot within it lately. Because I know, do you consider yourself a Libertarian, Amos, or? Yes, um, I do. <clears throat> um, I can... But I mean, there's there's obviously like differences on things like there's um, <clears throat> there's some libertarians that are like you get into much into the like the no true Scotsman among libertarians. It's like you're not a libertarian because you believe in some taxes still. You're not a libertarian because you still believe in some state. Like it's like either you're ANCAP or you're not a libertarian. And <laughs> it's like you know, it's not always like that, you know, so, I mean, there, there has to be, I think libertarians core tenants is just understanding sort of a, uh, one guy, if you guys know freedom tunes, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. he basically said it's sort of, uh, um, basically libertarians are kind of like agnostics and atheists about government. Mm. Yeah. We don't quite believe in the validity of those things. So there are the atheists you know, of, of government that are like ANCAPs and you have the agnostics that are basically like minarchists or just what are considered like libertarian constitutionalists, people that want to go back to 1776 America in terms of government. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. And from what I can tell, and it, it strictly as a matter of practicality, it seems like most libertarians and a great many conservatives, I don't know if I'll say most, really are minarchists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they got if they went all the way with what they wanted, yeah, it would be like a minarchist ideal. But then it comes that you come down to like like for me personally, I I think borders are one of the tricky things with libertarians. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. Some libertarians say no borders, and it's like, well, you can't just eliminate borders with a welfare state. Yeah, right. I would. You can't. <clears throat> borders would be like the last thing you want to take down. I mm -hmm. think in, in dismantling different, uh, you know, uh, departments of the state, you would have borders would have to be one of the last things, not one of the first things. So when it comes to questions of like, like the, the border wall and all this stuff, right. I would, you know, I would, you know, either you're going to just, you could either dismantle welfare or you build the wall. That's how I would see it. Now, am I, am I for the fact that my money's going towards building a wall? No. Actually, there was an article. Um, there's a video that I saw the other day. A company is going to reach out to the Trump administration to mm. offer their services to build a wall for a fraction of the price, mm. which I thought was interesting. I was like, we're going to privatize the border wall? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of uh, just getting it built, yeah. I mean, that's how it should work. <laughs> it right, should work. Right. Here's these... Here's these five construction companies, and they bid it out. And the government says, "Well, we like you could do a good job, and not rape me." Sold, <laughs> right? But then it still comes down to the fact that the government is still that middleman. Well, that middleman, and 
not everyone agrees with that. So in right. principle, I wouldn't be for a border wall, but I do see the practicality of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think one other thing too, I mean, you, you mentioned that it would be like one of the a borders, borders are like the last thing you'd want to get rid of. I think you could, I would actually take it a step farther and say, you can't get rid of it unless everyone else around you is, is also got the same basic principles and everything because if you've got a potentially not that we do not that 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 we have this issue but see you know just for sake of argument if you have a potentially aggressive state next door you can't just not have borders right you know? well it's not, it's not even just aggressive states um or even the aggressive drug cartels which we do have well, right right and one of the problems i do see with uh, libertarians when it comes to this argument mm -hmm. is they have they tend to kind of go blind to the idea that different cultures mm. don't function properly in the US. So what you have going on in like Europe, mm -hmm. libertarians, any libertarian I'll talk to will acknowledge there's a problem, but they are afraid to talk about it with fear of sounding like, you know, when you, if I say the words demographic shift, I'm a racist. Right. Right. But it's a reality is, am I saying like, Oh, start like, you know, start using some sense of force and just like purging a country. No, I'm just saying is discussing the issue is very different from trying to offer some like radical authoritarian move to right to do something crazy. And libertarians don't really have that um, nuance. It's all individuals and you can't talk about groups. You can't talk about trends. You can't talk about demographics. You can't talk about statistics. Yeah. Um, just to talk about it, just to see, because it wouldn't be in, in, you know, um, pursuing the, the principles of individualism, um, you would have the conversation to then have a social movement to address it instead of government to address it. Mm -hmm. If we, as a community decide we want to behave, you know, have a certain cultural Id identity, we'll say mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we can, we should be able to form that. But that's whereas the the line that they're afraid of crossing is they think talking about voluntary, you know, communities. There's even this idea of covenant communities. I don't know if you have ever heard of that. I have. Um, yeah, it covenant community. But, but definitely explain. right. All basically, it's just it's just like it's like a voluntary gated community. Mm. Okay. And but on a maybe on like a scale of like a village or a city or something. Okay. And completely voluntary, though. Okay. But <laughs> you start to sound like, you know, to the masses, you're sounding like an identitarian, a white nationalist, mm. you know, all right and such. And it's like, no, it's totally not that at all. Those guys actually do want some sense of uh, state intervention when it comes to establishing communities like that. Yeah. And I would say that's, yeah, that's totally against libertarianism, using the government. You right. want to so you want to go form your own community and such. That's fine. Yeah, but that's my problem with the libertarians and and really the libertarian party too is they well the libertarian party is just the party. It's a party politics kind of thing, and then libertarians mm -hmm. are too caught up in the individual that they don't yeah. they fail to see larger pictures on things. Yeah, and and I'd say that actually does kind of make sense because. You know, a lot of 
the thing about the Libertarian Party is that it it really is very individualistic. Like each and every single Libertarian has their own different set of like ideas of how things should be. And um, there there was one comment made by a Libertarian on Twitter. Um, you two both familiar with Morgan and the Wizard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was kind of I I I can't fully remember, and I don't know if this is the proper wording of it, but she was basically kind of like. She made a comment to like another libertarian and it was kind of like, oh, it almost seemed like another argument was going to start even though it didn't really happen. But someone commented to her like, why is there always like this infighting between libertarians? Why can't we all just, you know, like get along and not always be fighting each other? And she said that like, well, the only really, the only real thing connecting all libertarians is the idea of like liberty and don't tread on me. Otherwise, everything else is free game when it comes to the principles of like each individual libertarian yeah. or not. And I and I was actually curious. I think I brought it up on I brought this up on not the last podcast but the previous one when we had Sam. Mm-hmm. I think I brought it up then, either during on air or off. And I was actually kind of curious, uh, Amos, what your thoughts on that remark are. Like, is is that? Um. Yes, it's true, but it's different though. Like you need to see, um, yes, liberty. Like so, um, the background of the name Shitlord Preachers, uh, my show, be, it's because not only are my friend, uh, my co-host Brooke and I, not only do we identify as sort of the Shitlord, but mm-hmm. we also used to be preachers. So one of the things we saw in the church was very much what you're saying here is. The church is, you know, Christendom. So the, including the Catholic church, depending on who you talk to, but <clears throat> mainly among like evangelicals, Protestants, and so on, like basically anyone that's not the Catholic church. The Catholic church is actually does a pretty good job about staying fairly uniform. They're kind of like, um, well, they're really like a political party in a lot of ways. They oh. tend to say, but then among Protestants, among you know, pretty much the rest of Christianity, you have... I think in the U.S. alone, there's like forty plus thousand denominations. It de- it depends on how you. I, I, I not to get too far into the weeds on on that, but it depends on how you define denomination. Uh, be, I mean, being being a have... Catholic, being a Catholic, <laughs> I'm I was at one point fond of using that uh, in discussions with Protestants, but it was right. pointed out by a by another Catholic who is an actual apologist. It's like you know. Yes, there's like forty thousand different, uh, different names of Protestant churches out there. True statement. But when it comes down to actually what their beliefs are, yeah, there's more like about seventy or so. <laughs> like once we actually well, get down to what, yeah, you have. I mean, you definitely what have their, like, what their yeah. doctrines are and the way, where, right, right. You look at really line the differences. You look at sort of it's kind of like a family tree. Yeah, and you know, but it's. But what happens is, yeah, you have slight disagreements. I think there was like, uh, there, and again, I, I'll just say this, and then we'll kind of bring it back around. But yeah. there was a there was like a comic I saw, <clears throat> or meme or something. It was showing like, like so like someone was like falling, like they were holding on to like a ledge or something, and then this guy comes up and he goes, "Oh my gosh, I saw you fall. Like let me let me help you, but before I help you, like I want to make sure, like, what re- you know what what religion? Well, I'm Christian." Okay, cool. What kind of Christian? I'm a Baptist. Okay, are you what kind of Baptist? Well, I'm Baptist. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Are you Baptist Church of this area or Baptist Church this area? Oh, I'm Baptist Church this area. Okay. Are you Baptist First Baptist or Second Baptist? <laughs> Are you First Baptist of like eighteen something or First Baptist of like nineteen? This is like, and then it's like he said like the one year off or something like because there's different. I guess different <laughs> churches form different years. And he right. goes, "You heretic!" Kicks him off the ledge. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that like. I've seen, I've even seen like pictures. People have like, it's like a family tree of all of the denominations. And I'm like, and this is us right here. And Jesus only loves us because we got it right. And it's <clears throat> so in a same, in a similar way you have among libertarians, you have, um, if you, if you take any sort of like political compass test, different, different websites, do it differently, mm-hmm. but if you really look at it, there's, um, you have your classical liberal libertarians. You have neoliberals. You have uh, liberal capital. I'm oh, sorry, um, libertarian capitalists. You have libertarians. You have constitutional libertarians. You have um, anarcho-capitalist libertarians. Minarchist libertarians. You have uh, mm-hmm. just a whole list of different among the different lines. It's just it really comes down to where you know where you are and the finer points of where the state should be and shouldn't be. You know, you have bordertarians. That's how that's apparently a label I'm supposed to hold because I believe some sense of borders. Um <clears throat> and yeah, you have all this. And what it comes down to is just when you ex- when you agree on just the basic things of, of freedom and liberty instead of having debates and infighting, have discussions. I mean debates, yes, yeah. but debates in a in a in a proper context where you're not like fighting, you're debating. Yeah, you're having you know because <clears throat> you have in a debate in an argument. Right, right, like right. You know, I I've been um, you know, I I I've been on other podcasts and they've talked about you know different different even other more fringe sort of elements of like libertarianism. Like you have your actual like full just black flag anarchists because like ANCAP is like black and yellow and then they have just black pure anarchism or you have like black gray like agorism those are like that's talking about like basic what they call um you're you're basically trying to operate in econ basically financial systems outside of the state mm-hmm it's in a way of resisting the state. So you participate in what's called like gray and black markets and such. Hmm. Having a conversation, learning about that is very fun, but then it's like for the libertarians way up, you know, way up towards closer towards believing in some of the state, there becomes that infighting. And then we sit here and wonder why we don't get anyone elected. We do, but it's like one in a thousand. If that, well, you know, the, the theory has been floated that the Libertarian Party, the, the actual political apparatus, doesn't have a whole lot of interest in actually winning many elections. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Like you you have you have uh, I mean you have anarchists within libertarianism that actually just don't believe in voting. And um, and the other problem is too is they get so so that infighting starts to actually interfere with these elections. Gary Johnson is a perfect example. So many people are in now looking in hindsight, everyone hates him. But they don't realize how important it was for someone like him to make an impact. Say what you want about Gary Johnson. He was, you know, they say, oh, he's 
he's not this way enough. He's not that way enough. He's he's still us. He's still such a statist or something. And it's like, yeah, but but think of it this way: the way our government works, the way the gridlock is, you need to make small incremental changes. Even even Gary Johnson is considered pretty radical in the in the the modern day political landscape. He wanted to abolish the IRS and institute a federal consumption tax. That doesn't sound like my, I mean, to us, we're thinking like, you know, dismantle the entire state or just, you know, break it down to municipalities running the running affairs. Yeah, but he the just, IRS is, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> right. It's like, I would rather, you know, he was the most electable individual, whereas now you have the Libertarian Party. I mean, at one point, people were bowing down to people like, uh, they really wanted someone like Adam Kokesh, if you guys have heard of him. Mm, yeah. he he was he was a running under the libertarian party to run for president but he was like full almost full blo- like basically full-blown getting really close to ancap like less than a minarchist like he wanted basically like to, for the government to be broken down to just municipalities mm-hmm. just like re- smaller than the state but not yeah and yeah, let's you know he's gonna run. It's like yeah, but he has no chance in hell to be elected. Yeah, it's way too radical. You're not gonna just like elect a guy who's just gonna dismantle literally everything. Yeah, you need to elect someone that's gonna just dismantle a little bit. Yeah, and then and then that gets people thinking. Oh, hey, this is pretty nice. Let's elect another one. Right, right. And then he breaks it down a little bit. You know, that was something that. I noticed Ron Paul even recognized, uh, you know, he was, I, in terms of principle, at least it seemed like he would go pretty far, but listening to interviews, reading, um, reading him, he's like, but let's be honest, we're not going to get there overnight. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah. You're going to have to like shift things. Yeah. Because you can't really go on with such a, char- a jarring change because for the most part, it's, it's, it's kind of human nature to not really be into change. I mean, inertia is real. Yeah. And, and it's like, so most people aren't really that open to change. So if you want to have change, you have to start little by little. You can't just go, uh, so I want this guy to win because he's going to get rid of all (laughs) y'all. Like I want him to win. It's like, that's not going to fly because, if you're trying to get someone elected who whose whole idea is to get rid of almost everyone, well, no one's gonna want that guy because hey, he's making this huge change. Like I don't want this huge change. It's really like I know. <laughs> right, but right. There has to be small changes and mm-hmm. and that's the thing is incremental change is very difficult for libertarians. They, they they really want like all or nothing. That, yeah, and it's like that you're not going to get elected that way. As you know, as much as I identify very much with like min, being a minarchist and such, in my views, I you still have to like face reality. There are there there is still a huge structure in place that yeah. just because we're you know one or two percent of the population, if that doesn't mean we're just going to go out there and dismantle the whole thing overnight. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> it's also an issue of you kind of, you kind of have to be 
I don't want to say nicer, but you have to kind of be more open to the fact that not everyone's going to be open to making these such huge changes. Like I know there have been multiple times where, I mean, I, I'm kind of a mix of things, but it's like, I kind of, go along with like okay i'm like a right-wing libertarian like conservative conservative libertarian i just go with that because it's the easiest but i'm kind of over but i've had times where it's like i i follow you know these different libertarians and i listen to like what they're saying and whatnot and there will always a, a lot of times there will come a time where there's an issue they're discussing about where i disagree with them on but they kind of have like this attitude or aura or they just flat out say you disagree with this your status and get out. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's yeah, and even even when just trying to like bring in more people, not even into like the party, just bringing people into thinking about the ideas where you know it it becomes just it it becomes just kind of kind of ridiculous cuz then you know we we start to look like idiots. I mean, when I started seeing um so the big the big push with Gary Johnson with the Libertarian Party was, you know, we're we're sort of this like happy medium between the liber- the uh, Republicans and Democrats. We're we're the reasonable party. We're the choice that most Americans should identify with. We're gonna, you know, we're not playing into party politics. We're not about all that, and you know, we're relevant. We're cool and all this. And then Gary Johnson loses, and then we're like, you know screw that guy and and then we start even going further and then we start jumping onto the uh trump derangement syndrome train and then some and then just all sorts of stuff start to happen and then we just look like this you know crazy cousin at in the you know at the family reunion that's you know throwing a fit out there in the middle of the field while everyone else is inside having fun (laughs) mingling with the other family members it's just you know yeah we don't we don't we're not relevant we're not we're not really that reasonable and we just don't we're not going to fit in we have to put we you know you, ha- you kind of have to play the game a little bit yeah you, you, you gotta you gotta get people thinking I, I had to really like change the way i approach to talking to people about things i can't just you know taxation is theft i gotta explain it well you work yeah you work for company mm-hmm. yeah and you get paid yeah why do you have to give it to, you know, and it gets given to the government. Yeah. And so they understand that, but you're yeah. still driving on potholes. Yep. <laughs> you know, your money is going to wars that you probably don't agree with mm-hmm. and it's funding things you definitely don't agree with. Why? Yeah. Why are you okay with that? Yep. That's entirely true. No matter who you are, no matter where you are on the political spectrum, I guarantee you the government is funding something you don't like. <laughs> Exactly. So then you explain that to them, and that's a huge thing. Whereas, you know, the typical libertarian thing is just taxation is theft and your status if you disagree. Yeah. Like, you, you have to really walk them through the thinking and go, huh. I mean, okay, I'll just say this. I had a, I, I went, I had a date earlier this weekend, and I had to – and this was actually a good – it was weird. I, I found myself in a weird position of on a date, but also – Explaining libertarianism to a girl—you <laughs> are a wild first date. <laughs> she's like, she's like, but she was, but what I liked is she was actually interested. She was like, well, "What is this? What? What do you mean? Tell me about that." I'm like, "Okay, well, you work for a company," and so I'm like walking through it. She goes, "Oh yeah," and she's more on the left, and I'm like, 
and I never would have thought that, but it was like, at least we're having the conversation, but it was just, it's just one of those things where you got to be relatable. You got to be relevant. You got to make it in a way that people can um, be able to look at it through their daily life. It's not just, you know, we have bases all over the world and we need to stop that. Well, why would they care? Doesn't affect them. Really doesn't. But you walk them through, okay, your tax dollars fund bases in other parts of the world. You walk them through the process. Oh, you're making politics, but also libertarianism be more understandable to the common person. Right. Instead of, you know, waving, you know, waving no step on snake all over the place. Yeah. Hoping, <laughs> hoping people will, you know, talk to you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that's, that's another thing too it's like if, if you want other pe- people to be open you have to be open yourself you know right. like I, I i for one no matter what political opinion you hold or what side you're on i am immediately turned off is if you treat other people who think differently or don't agree as if they're stupid like there's a lot of people on the right i i stopped listening to because they had an attitude on the left and like you know who are libertarians like it, it's a huge turnoff because if you want to convince to persuade people the last thing you want to do is treat them as if they're stupid for not agreeing in the first place right you you know you, they scream status all day but it's like they realize you know as just as an analogy you, you're you're basically you're looking like you know you're outside of the town square yelling inside you're a bunch of status and it's like you look like an idiot you got to go inside wearing a lot of the same clothes be you know be relevant and kind of go hey it's pretty cool out here mm-hmm. you know you can yeah. actually have freedom over here right and now, then I, I bring think, people with yeah, absolutely <laughs> i think part of that is actually also being able to go uh beyond beyond 101 because uh you you brought up the uh the foreign bases Right. You've got to be able to go because you're going to get somebody who's going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. But what happens when we leave? The, 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 the power vacuum argument. Mm-hmm. You know, then, then who's going to fill that? Because somebody will. And you've got to be able to uh, address that as well because eventually you are going to get the guy who's been like, yeah, yeah, I, I get the whole taxation assess thing, and I get the small government, and but this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I think it does have to go beyond that, and you know, and you know, there's different answers to that. One could just be like, you know what? Yep, we're gonna sit here, and uh, if they come to our shores, well, good luck, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, and there's, I don't know. I, I imagine there's different degrees that you could argue with, with, with involvement with trading allies and whatnot. But, but yeah, uh, it's it, it's that's a question that I think deserves an answer from libertarians, even if it is just, you know, what? Not worried about it. Not my problem. Not my fight. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's and that's that's another thing too is the whole not my problem argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, with libertarians is so for example I could say like hey you know I was just reading the other day you know I, I could come up to a libertarian a very typical one that I come across 
hey, I, I hear like the single motherhood thing is a real problem in the US. It's like messing up our society. Not my problem. That's what a libertarian would say. Whereas the left and the right at least have a, an answer. You know, granted, right. they're both pretty biased and I, I think it's pretty, you know, pretty crappy answers, but at least they have, they, uh, they, involve themselves in the conversation and people start to take sides on a thing and no and the libertarians don't bring a third view to like look at things from the view of okay individualism and freedom it's like okay oh yeah yeah you know single motherhood is a problem well, why is that okay so we look at things like welfare we look at things like state involvement we look at things mm -hmm. at like you know how public schools you know how that's educating people and stuff mm -hmm. <clears throat> And then we look at all that and we kind of say, yeah, those things are contributing factors to it. And then people go, oh, okay. But we're not actually saying like, oh, not my problem. We like, we're, we're not being just dismissive because, oh, it's a social issue. Any conversation about it, we're just going to be status. It's like, no, you can have a conversation and see like how the state actually creates these problems, which I believe it does. I think as a, I think it, I think the state exacerbates the problems. Oh Yeah. It doesn't allow for the sort of, I guess, social pressures to kind of correct things. So, exactly. I think it, the state so often tries to fix an actual problem mm -hmm. and then just winds up making it so much worse. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's why, I'd like, years, years ago, I started recognizing like the most dangerous disease uh, in the country is, <laughs> is uh, do something itis. <laughs> it's like no no we really don't need to do something it's like stop just stop trying to do things you tend to suck at it <laughs> right 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 like, yeah. what things what do you mean we suck at things i mean like all the things you mostly suck at them <laughs> yeah i think someone said uh what is it name one thing the government can do cheaply and efficiently I'm sure there's something. Print money. Print money. Print money. There you go. I was going to say breathing, but okay. <laughs> I will say this, though. I once posted a very similar... I, I once posed a very similar question in uh, the the online uh, college course I was taking, and somebody did, um, did, did come back with... <laughs> uh, sorry, did come back with uh, it, it was something like, you know, name like one or ten things or something positive things that the government has actually done. And it was like responded with the Bill of Rights. I was like, touche. <laughs> well, <laughs> granted, the government did do it. It was, it was a group of guys that agreed on how to do it. Fair, but you know, still, you know, they were the politicians and all of that stuff. But I was like, yeah, okay. That, that's a fair point. <laughs> they were the guys running the country at the time. So Yeah. And, and, and the thing, the thing about that though is interesting is someone, I heard someone talk about this, how, um, so, you know, we, we look at the government as it is today and we, we obviously a lot of libertarians agree. There's a lot of problems. The state is too big. There's just too much power. It has over us, you know, statism. It's just, yeah. that's what it is. And they wonder how we got there. And I think someone basically said uh, the problem is the for how free the U.S. was back in like when in our found our founding, mm -hmm. um, having that freedom led to this. 
Mm-hmm. Because their argument. Because basically we, you know, we're like, oh, you know, there's this thing going on. Well, we have the freedom to make it law, right? Yeah, we'll make it a law. So we made it a law into this and we made it a law into that. Next thing you know, 260 some odd years later, here we are. <laughs> a whole bunch of laws later. And there's no way of really ma- working our way back. Because mm-hmm. now people are comfortable with that. The gradual <laughs> yeah. change led to this. It mm-hmm. will be the gradual change that will go back there. But that's very tough to do. It's, it's so much. It's like, well, it's like climbing a tree. It's always harder to get down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and, but it's, it's, it's basically, I mean, it's uphill both ways, really. Yeah. And <laughs> a much steeper hill to try to get rid of government. Right. Because now you have to break up everything from um, the lobbying to, you know, term limits to, actually like you then you actually need some sort of event you actually need some sort of an event to like convince the people to think differently you right. actually and unfortunately for a country to have an awakening to freedom and liberty and to break from authoritarianism usually takes a tragedy unfortunately yeah, yeah. some sort of revolution we, uh, missed, we missed our best opportunity honestly with the beginning of the great recession because just imagine, imagine if Ron Paul had been the Republican nominee as the government was melting down. I mean, not the government, but the, but the economy was melting down. Imagine, he's the one person in politics, the one prominent figure in politics at any rate, from any political party who could have just said, there, told you so. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's the thing is you, you hear like the narrative now for 2008 is the big banks. It's like, yeah, that's part of the problem. It was the government. Then the like the government said, "Hey, we want we want to get more houses out to people, start giving out more right. loans." Yep. And the bank's like, "Well, we know we're taken care of because we've got people, in, you know, we've got yep. them in our pocket and we're in their pocket." Yep. And then so then they put out the loans. People can't pay. Everyone defaults. The it collapses. And if you guys watched uh, what was it, um, the Big Short. I have not actually. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's basically just the movie talking about it and, it, and it follows a group of different groups of guys that basically bet on the housing market to crash. Mm-hmm. They made, you know, they made billions of dollars between them, and um, at the very end, so Steve Carell plays a character, oh. like a hedge fund manager, and he just the 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 line he says he's talking to his guy. His guy's like, we got to sell, man. Like they're they're basically at at the tail end of the crash. He's like, we got to sell our positions. It's now or never. Like we're not going to make any money. Everything's going to die out. They mm-hmm. basically were selling uh, certain positions on shorting the market, and <clears throat> he's like, he's like, sell it all. He goes, but he's like, they just didn't care. They knew they knew the gov- they knew the taxpayer would pay for it. And yep. all they're gonna do is blame it on immigrants and poor people. <laughs> the government's gonna blame it on them. And then I think there was a bit of a political bu- turn oh, on that phrase. Definitely. But it but it was, it was basically it was a good point to say like they didn't care because the reality was they didn't care because they knew the government would bail them out. Mm-hmm. But they don't really they didn't really bring to light in the movie to say the government started this. They just say the government be- helped. But no one really goes back to say like the bailout is the problem, you know. 
the bailout yeah. was a real problem. So, yeah, uh, I think it was. I think it was this book, uh, Economic Facts and Fallacies, uh, Thomas Sowell. Yeah. Uh, I think if I think it was this book, he went into that uh, in in detail, and it just it really did dis disabuse me of a lot of notions of the of the uh, narrative because he goes he went deep into detail about the different laws that were passed, the different policies with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and how that was all implemented. And it was just like son of a bitch. <laughs> right, are. right, right. You know, it's like, dang it. <laughs> Why? Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Right, like I said, right. the government sees a sees a problem, tries to fix it, winds up making it worse. And like you like you said, we get comfortable with the government supposedly taking care of things while it's screwing them up. So we never want to stop the, them doing the doing what they're doing because we're told they're making it better. It, it, like it, we may even acknowledge that. Oh yeah, this is really bad right now. But imagine how much worse it would be. Yeah, I mean, um, so you actually you might get more into this, Ginger. They uh, under you, so you understand driving on icy roads. Mm, oh yes. <laughs> so you yeah. Um, what what is one of the things they always tell you when you're swerving? <laughs> don't slam on the brakes. Right. Don't slam on the brakes or don't overcorrect. Yeah, don't overcorrect. Yes, the government literally overcorrects every time there's a there's a some sort of um, yes. recession. So yeah. a, a typical economy is basically has periods of growth and periods of slight recession. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's just normal. What happens is before the recession hits, government thinks, "Hey, let's 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 uh, let's let's do something here," and then that mm -hmm. recession actually dips deeper or goes longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what happened with the the New Deal and the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. yep. The depression actually went longer in the U.S. thanks to the New Deal, and then now with the Great Recession we had, um, it only exacerbated a, a bigger problem. It's you know too big to fail was true because it wasn't the banks that were too big to fail; it was the government backing the banks that was too big to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes back to what um, de Tocqueville said way back when, uh, way back in the 18th century when he was touring the country. Government wants to grow. Government mm -hmm. will grow if you're not extremely vigilant. And I, you know, from reading Democracy in America, I think he was hopeful that uh, we could avoid that. But clearly, we have not. <laughs> and yeah. there, and like you said, there really are not clear mechanisms in place to shrink a government. It's requires it requires a collective act of will that at least right now we do not have. I mean, you've got now you've got the uh, people in the ostensibly conservative Republican Party arguing for uh, more paid family leave. And you've even got uh, one guy, Representative uh, Mark Gates, Gates, however you pronounce his name, uh, arguing for a conservative version of the Green New Deal. It's like, uh, guys, what makes you think that this is remotely 
conservative slash small government. No, no, you're just putting a slightly different spin on it. It's the same thing, you freaking fools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that was a huge moment for me when I so basically I became a libertarian mm -hmm. in 2015. Um, I was not liking the the way the uh, the debates were going. I didn't like politics really that much. Mm -hmm. So I tell my friend Brooke, and so that he actually brought me on to thinking about libertarianism. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just say, you know, ah, you know, I don't really like either guy. You know, I don't like Hillary. Uh, Trump's kind of whatever. And uh, and then here's I legitimately said, but that Bernie guy, he sounds he sounds like sincere, which right. is true. And I was like, he sounds sincere, and some of the some of the stuff he's proposing, it's definitely like out of the box. But hey, I kind of like him. I, I didn't, but I wasn't thinking about voting for him. And, and he just kind of breaks it down like, so who's going to pay for all that crap he's proposing? Right. What? <laughs> You're going to pay for Money? it. Like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, just understanding it on a larger scale. I thought, oh wait, yeah. He goes, have you heard? I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense then. And he goes, have you heard of this guy, Gary Johnson? Have you looked into him? So I looked into it, sort of watching videos and such. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I start looking at different events in history, at least in my lifetime, that mm -hmm. have affected me, like the recession. And um, even you could say, like, even some aspects of, like, 9-11 and all this and the war on terror and then even looking at the war on drugs and now the whole border thing. And I was like, okay everything started to look a little clear like okay now it all makes sense it's not all these i mean all these other people are definitely at fault all these companies all these uh, corporations yeah they're having but they're only going to act that way if they're incentivized by the state you give people an incentive they will do something if you say you know if you know not that i'm saying don't help people but if you incentivize something like single motherhood, if you say, oh, if right. you're a single mom, you can only provide this much income, we'll give you money. Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised when single motherhood becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. If you And then you start having a, a bunch of boys raised by women, and now they're not really in. And now we see, now you start having studies coming out saying, hey, believe it or not, boys need men in the house. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and then and then you go but then you go other ways too it's like believe it or not banks can just fall apart and people can find other jobs with other banks but no we got to keep these banks floating with tax dollars so <laughs> i don't know this i don't know what crazy sorcery it is that you're proposing here but i call bullshit <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> No, I mean, it, you can make the same argument uh, when it comes to private charity as well, like incentivizing bad behavior. The difference is the private charity, the private individual who's helping, say, the single mother can go, can realize, you know what? This lady's just taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. And can cut her off. <laughs> and as much as that sucks for, the, for them, <coughs> yeah. on a larger scale, mm -hmm. again, one of those topics that libertarians are only talking about is big picture so social trends is it will change the trends yeah. fewer people will engage in behaviors that put them in those situations mm -hmm. and and the single motherhood issue that's actually something i and 
my mom and my family has basically seen firsthand because, well, my mom was basically a single mother. Right. And, you know, a long, 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 long time ago, she tried getting, you know, assistance uh, with taking care of me, you know, help. And, you know, the the pro- program, I can't remember if it was food stamps or what it was, but whatever it was that she was seeking help from, which was a government uh thing you know they they have these i don't know if many people know or even if you guys know they actually have rules that you have to follow when getting them mm-hmm. but like the rules are outrageous right. like like my mom had to like because my mom was having trouble finding work mm-hmm. so I was like oh well you have to give us this many x many hours of you searching for work and you know it was like a huge amount of hours where it's like you mean I have to spend this amount of hours looking for work while taking care of the house, while taking care of my kid, while taking care of other family. And so like she had to have this many hours of that and then she had to do this and she had to do that. And all these things they really didn't give her lead away with. But she remembers whenever she would like sit in the thing to wait and like meet with someone, there were like there was like one woman when she saw who had like multiple kids like four or five kids with her and she was like just getting it easily more easily than her and she my mom only had one she needed help with right oh and like she had four or five kids and she was pregnant Uh, you know it's it is something odd it's like it's almost like the system is set up to punish those or to yeah, well, I'll just say punish. It's to punish those who are actually trying to be like, okay, I'm in the situation. I'm going to get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. I need a little help right now, but by golly, I don't. Uh, I'm going to work to get to where I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Whereas those who are more than happy to to stay in the system, those people, it's like it, it for for whatever reason. They're able to work the system, game the system, however it is, to get whatever it is they they think they need to get whatever it is they want out of it, essentially. Yeah, basically, it's yeah. Strange. It's genuinely strange. I don't understand it now. And great, I don't have I don't have statistics to back that up. That's entirely anecdotal. And it's anecdotal for me too. But this is like me and my family saw with our own eyes, like. You know, my mom, like I said, my mom tried getting help and they were a hard ass on her. But with this other person who had multiple kids, so they had to give her more money because she needed more help. Well, right. Have to do as much. Mm-hmm. And which you could one could argue that like, well, she doesn't have to do as much because she has a lot more kids to take care of. Well, OK, but that's still a lot of leeway they're giving her because my mom had like. I, 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 again, I can't remember the amount of hours, but basically, even if you, like, cut it down to consider for the amounts of kids this other woman had, it would still be a crap ton of hours he had to put in and looking for work and, like, trying to get to work. Mm-hmm. But it's like, so it's like, we've seen it with that. And I remember in uh, one of, I think it was my second to last year of school, because I, Either my second to last or my last year of school, because I, wh- whichever year I had my semester of taking politics, my political teacher, because we had to do a discussion 
about social security mm-hmm. and that stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking, it was either my discussion post or another student's dis- discussion post where she was like, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily easy to take care of stuff because she had a friend who had seven people using her security number on her and they were giving her such a hard time to figure out the solution to fix oh. it. Wow. Yeah. Like, I can't remember the specific details, but there were like seven or how many people who had her security number. They were using her social security number and oh. basically giving her a hard time. Like, okay, is this really your social security number? You need to clarify this. You need to clarify that. And it's like, and it basically was so hard on her that my teacher and her friend are basically like, dude, if it, this wasn't mine, why would I come to you saying there's people using my money that I'm supposed to be getting down the line? Like, why would I lie about that? That would be right. a good pre- plan to give money out of people. I don't know. I mean, this the system, the welfare system, is a, it's a bureaucratic nightmare. It really is. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it reminds me of something interesting. I was listening to uh, Andrew uh, Andrew Yang was on uh, Shapiro's Sunday special mm-hmm. earlier today. I was listening to that, and I mean, you know, hard to say what, how much he really means it, but you know, Yang did say he's not necessarily he's not a huge fan of bureaucracy. <laughs> so Canada really doesn't like it, and they should talk for a while about his um. Uh, what did he call it? Freedom dividend uh, proposal, where you get like a thousand dollars of the thousand dollars from the from the government every month, and it would be like an opt in sort of thing. Like if you wanted, you can do this, but you don't get any other welfare assistance. It's like that's right, right. That's what you get. See, it's either or. It's either the welfare that we have now or that. Which it's like okay, that's an interesting proposal and could be a i don't know that i would want to i I don't i wouldn't want to stay there but it could be it could be a first step to weaning people off of the current system working or not though you could keep it yeah oh you could add no you could keep it for both so okay okay, if you if you were on the freedom dividend you would opt out of all other welfare Mm -hmm. but you could be you could remain on it for as long as you're living working or not so you could have it as yeah. income or you could have it for whatever else you know i i even understand where he's coming from with that because the way the current welfare system is set up it's like as soon as you get to su- get as soon as you get a job and you're ready to get on your feet all the assistance goes away and then you're like be, arguably worse off than you were when you started cuz now, right, you you have all the same financial difficulties, and you're working. <laughs> right. The thing about it now, this is my logic, I guess, yeah. my rationale for it. If Andrew Yang, like, so I'm not going to vote for Andrew Yang. No, neither am I. But, <laughs> but if he is elected and the freedom dividend does come about, mm-hmm. I will opt in for it mm-hmm. because I think it is a moral duty of all libertarians to try to take back as much money as they can from the government. <laughs> that's my, that's my rationale for 
libertarians who have the option of getting welfare through mm -hmm. the least crazy means possible mm -hmm. it's a way to get your money back right because if you're getting right. if you're you know if you're paying so much so i think i think combined between state and federal like i usually have paid a few thousand dollars in and then i get like a couple maybe two thousand dollar back or something mm -hmm. um <clears throat> and i just figured you know what like it's better that they give it to me than to spend it on something else oh yeah yeah but I mean, granted, yes, it is still money that you know there will be. There will probably come a point where it's I'm getting more money than I'm contributing to the system. But and I'm just I just figured like it's probably be like oh, there's a lot of libertarians who are kind of going down the path like um, uh, I don't know if you've heard like accelerationism. Yeah. So yeah, they're basically kind of going on the accelerationist train with the. UBI basically like they're they're basically both ironically and unironically supporting Yang to hasten the collapse of the government so that we could actually move on to a more free <laughs> way of organizing right. ourselves. Burn it down. Burn it exactly. down. Exactly. Burn yeah. it down. Give me all the money. I'll buy my guns, my food, my shelter, and prepare myself. <laughs> basically, people are saying, like, you know, when you uh, there's like a meme I saw. It was like you know, when you've been saving up your your uh, your what is it your when you signed up with the Yang Gang and you're you're saving up all your money, buying up all your guns, and then and then the uh, the police come and confiscate your guns, and it's like it's showing a picture of someone who's like full like commando setup, and it's like here we go, like <laughs> ready, to, yeah. ready for the revolution. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Bye. <laughs> My my question is is it, I can't remember is Andrew Yang full Asian or is he a Hapa? He is Taiwanese. Oh, he's Taiwanese. That's right. That's right. Full Taiwanese. Yeah, yeah. And, so I'm, half, and I'm I'm half Taiwanese. I think he's a traitor. <laughs> I was I was gonna say. I mean, is he? Uh, you know, is he a secret plant of the of the ethno state or no, you know? no, 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 no. Um, no, he's so my problem with him just mm -hmm. on, a, on an individual level. Yeah, I mean, policy wise, that's a whole other thing. Um, but he, as an individual, I, I, I will call him at like an actual traitor to Taiwan because <clears throat> Taiwan was founded upon basically breaking off from China. It right. was the war with the communists. They run off to Taiwan and say, here, we're going to set up our country. And we're like, as socialist, as, as much as Taiwan has a, a lot of social programs, they mm -hmm. have universal health care. They have um, public transportation pretty much everywhere. <coughs> um, never mind the roads, but um, they have all this stuff. So it's, it's it, it could almost be seen as a very socialistic nation. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, the attitude for the longest time ever since the pretty much the first, well, pretty much the second half of the last century was we are never going to be communists. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've declared martial law. They've gotten in, and they've actually like committed even like some atrocities against the people, but never on the level of communism. They always said we'd never be communists. Like we have, like they basically kind of flirt with that slight bit between you know, authoritarianism when they need to, but for the most part, fairly free compared to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here comes Andrew Yang in the States mm -hmm. and wants to basically institute like 
crazy amounts of like social programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard about some of his more radical, well, I shouldn't say radical, more outlandish proposals in his policy. Um, he wants to create a whole department of the government called the Legion of Builders and Destroyers. Why now? Yes. <laughs> look at, look at one. <laughs> look at, so you look at his policies. Um, you look at Andrew Yang's policies on his website. You scroll down to something called modernizing the military budget. And then at the very bottom, there's a part he says, I will create a department called the Legion of Builders and Destroyers. It will be um, the, the Legion commander will be in charge of overseeing projects in major cities where they will clear out any derelict or abandoned buildings in favor of basically eliminating like urban blights and poor buildings to right. open up for infrastructure that will promote like the vitality of a city. Mm-hmm. This department will have the power to act in its own interests, superseding the authority of local ordinances and governments. Oh, hell no. So it's basically eminent domain, the department. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say no, not a, not a fan. Yeah, I, I think this is when you get right to, okay, but I'm going to use your UBI to buy all the guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's... it's when it's, Andrew I mean, Yang's taking... legion comes to your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, he's he basically, you know, I, I'd say he's just a, you know, a traitor communist that's trying to become president in the States. And I'm like, that's where I'm like, you know, if if I ever got to meet him, I'm like, dude, why are you, why are you a traitor? Seriously. <laughs> you're like you're supposed to be anti-communist if yeah, anything like regard like go any other route but you had to like be basically make like leading you know make america communist for the first time not again but for the first time <laughs> <laughs> and it's like why it's just it goes against so much because like in taiwan you don't just communism is is it's almost a dirty word right no, you don't, talk about, you don't yeah. talk about China. You don't talk about Mao Zedong. You don't talk about any of that. No, I would imagine not. I mean, uh, gosh, that, that that's a whole other thing with, with Taiwan. I kind of hate our official policy of one country, two systems. <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah, that's what we call BS. <laughs> it's either... It's either two separate countries or it's not. Well, we wouldn't have liked it. The French treated us that way during the Revolutionary War. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, on that note, we have hit our ending time, actually, guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't really get to touch on the rest of our topics, like the jail one, but we did touch on the wall a little bit there at the beginning. Yep. Yeah, you know, and got to discuss some things I didn't, we didn't know we were going to be discussing, but that's the whole point of the podcast, just having a nice conversation, talking about whatever comes to mind, and we'll probably just have to have you on again, Amos, to discuss the rest. Awesome. Absolutely. I'd be down for that. And I'll definitely be looking at having one of you or both of you on our show. Granted, yeah, it's in the, yeah, it's on yeah. Sunday mornings, though. I don't know if you guys I, can do that. Hey, it, I, all depends on the, it all depends on the Sunday. Much of my uh, mass schedule is determined by my daughter's work schedule. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Sundays are my relaxation and laundry days, so I can make a dude. Like, okay. <laughs> all right. Whenever, and I'll be there. Just pick awesome. one, and if I'm and if I can make it, I will. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, we discussed a lot. Uh, Emma, do you have any final words before I say my piece? We're good. I, I said everything at the beginning, so we're good there. Wheat, Ginger, you got anything? I'm good. Close it out. All right. And those were our thoughts on libertarianism uh, and how to get it to progress further. And that's true, as we said, proper discussion and debate rather than, you know, just calling everyone a statist because that's not going to get us everywhere. And we have to start off small in order to make big changes, as we've seen throughout you know, history of like the recession and other issues, whenever you try to speed up change or you try to fix something before it's broken, you're going to have more issues than you started off with. So on that note, enjoy the rest of your evening, guys, and keep fighting the good fight. <laughs>